Welcome to the Illustrator Studio. I am Jesse Kowalski, Curator of Exhibitions at the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. The Illustrator Studio is a weekly interview series, a project of the museum's Rockwell Center for American Visual Studies. Alessandra Pisano is rapidly becoming a big name in the world of fantasy illustration. In 2016, she was given the Spectrum Rising Star Award. In addition, her work has appeared in the last four volumes of the annual Spectrum Fantasy Art Awards. She's created artwork for Sideshow Collectibles, Fantasy Flight Games, Upper Deck, and most recently, Magic the Gathering. She's one of the youngest artists in this summer's fantasy exhibition at the Rockwell Museum, Enchanted, a History of Fantasy Illustration, and she has a style distinctly her own. Welcome, Alessandra. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. We've noted that uh, you began creating fantasy art at a very young age as an escape and a refuge. Uh, so I was wondering what kinds of things inspired you growing up? Um, well, as a kid, I pretty much was just drawing, uh, you know, back to my earliest memories of uh, being alive. And I spent a lot of time, if I wasn't doing that, like in nature, because back then you could just kind of send your kids off into the woods and just be like, come back at, you know, when it gets dark and that's just how things were. Um, so I was either out playing in the woods, uh, you know, playing in rivers with salamanders or I was, I was just at home, uh, you know, drawing. I usually, I watched a lot of Disney movies back then. So um, typically I would kind of copy, uh, you know, Disney stuff, um, but I was super drawn to like the Lion King. So I just would draw those characters and like make up my own situations for them. So I think those are the earliest drawing memories I have. You graduated from the University of Hartford in 2011. Uh, did you go to school mm -hmm. for illustration? Yeah, yeah, that's what my, my major was. Uh -huh. And did you study under Dennis Nolan perhaps? I did, yes. Yeah? Oh, I just yeah. asked because a few artists in the exhibition uh, studied under Dennis, who's, who's a good friend of the museum. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what was it like working with him? I mean, he's a gem of a human being, so <laughs> it's good. Um, he was one of the few who actually had um, really any experience in fantasy art, and that's, you know, was always my goal. So he was kind of the go-to guy, like, I remember distinctly, I was I was working on a piece of um, of an angel and she was like holding a skull, but she was kind of kneeling on the ground and trying to figure out how the wings would work, you know, when it came to them uh, hitting the ground a certain way. And, and Dennis was the guy to, to sit down and help me figure it out because he just, he knew how to make up anything you wanted and had a brilliant mind about it. That's great. Yeah, no, uh, so in the exhibition we'll have work by Dennis Nolan and also uh, his wife, Lauren Mills, who's also uh, a great artist. Yeah, wonderful. I'm a fan of both of theirs. Oh, terrific. Um, uh, what was the first artwork that you sold? <laughs> uh, it was a commission by a math teacher that I was failing her class. So that was kind of ironic um, in high school. And it was, a, it was a color pencil piece because for a long time I actually didn't know how to paint. So I always worked in Prismacolor pencils for the longest time. And it was a, a piece of uh, the outside of some villa in Paris that was for a friend's wedding present. I think I got maybe $250 for that. And did it help your grades? Uh, I think she, she <laughs> passed me by the skid of my teeth, you know, yeah. or maybe, maybe it helped. At what age did you start using oils? 
Uh, so I took one oil painting class when I was in college, you know, because they make you kind of try out everything and I absolutely hated it. Um, so I didn't actually come back to it until maybe a couple years after I graduated. And um, that happened because I had a desire to just paint something bigger than what I was doing. Um, at that time, I was working in FWing, so just kind of a limit to how big you can work with them. And I made the switch to oil and, you know, I think my first oil painting actually like came out pretty decent and it got pretty not so great. And then, you know, just spent a lot of time making a lot of mediocre paintings until they slowly got better and better. So when I'm creating an exhibition, my intention is always to entertain and educate. Uh, I view uh, museums as a refuge for people to get away from the real world. And I noticed a similar thought on your website. Uh, you write, uh, my goal is to give you something beautiful and distracting to get lost in, even just for a moment. So I wondered, uh, when you're creating an artwork, what, what do you find are important factors in helping someone get lost in a painting? Well, I usually don't think about that. Um, when I paint, it's always uh, very self-serving <laughs> and entirely just uh, whatever I'm feeling into at the moment. But I think you know, there are certain elements for sure that can help people get uh, more captivated by something over over another thing. And that's all like a deeply personal and individual thing. But ultimately, I think the piece has to have a human quality to it, even if there's nothing human about it. There's got to be something relatable. And again, that's that's so individual. And who, who do you make the paintings for? For yourself or you have other people in mind? Uh, no, just uh, again, it's entirely very selfish. <laughs> it's entirely just whatever uh, I feel like doing. Um, usually for me, it's it's always important to include my friends. My friends are generally like the models, but I think that's because um, one, I have that luxury currently, I'm sure <laughs> as my career continues in life. And if I jump around, that might change and, and whatnot. But for right now, um, I have the luxury to include people that are important to me. You know, when I'm gonna be spending 40 to 60 hours on a piece, like I wanna be staring at somebody that, you know, I admire very greatly. And do you take commissions? Uh, I do. I usually only will take on maybe one or two a year and and I'm a little picky about it. <laughs> and it's gotta work, be something that I'd wanna paint, you know? Uh, do you work with the, the person or do you, or do they generally leave it up to you to decide the subject? Usually, um, you know, someone will come to me and have an idea. And then if I if I'm into the idea, then for sure. And then, you know, we'll, we'll do some sketches and, and see which one they like. But, but mostly, I just kind of do my own thing on it. And then, you know, sometimes I'll get people who are just like, how about you just paint whatever you want to paint, and we'll take it kind of thing. And, and those are good, too. At the Spectrum 27 Awards, you received a nomination for a gorgeous painting called uh, The Part You Throw Away. I was wondering mm -hmm. what the inspiration was for that piece. Uh, so that was uh, like a, a personal piece that had to do with um, kind of a, a kind of spiritual healing journey I've been on like the last few years. And uh, it kind of had to do with, uh, there's an old Cherokee tale that's about a, a white wolf and a black wolf that kind of live inside all of us. and. Um, you know, the one that you feed the most is the one that's going to kind of take over your, your personality and your reactions. Um, so it's mostly about getting rid of the parts of yourself that no longer serve you anymore, but kind of honoring how far they got you 
to where you needed to be, you know, at the same time as you're shedding them for something more serving. Uh, what was the moment when you first realized that you might have a successful career in illustration? Uh, I don't think I did. <laughs> You're still waiting? Uh, I mean, this is just a, a thing that I've been doing for as long as I can remember that I've been doing it. And I don't think there was ever, obviously, uh, you know, in the last several years, uh, my, my income is uh, greatly... <laughs> It's it's been better than it than it was before, um, but I don't think the thought of success ever has crossed my mind. It's just I'm just gonna keep doing this because it's all I know how to do at this point, and kind of in too deep, and hopefully it it hits and resonates with people, and it and it seems to be doing all right. So when I see one of your paintings, I'm struck by the similarities to to some golden age illustrators, especially to the Western art of N. C. Wyeth. Um, you know, the kind of the solitary cowboy in the American West, surviving <laughs> on, on his own in the wilderness. And this seems yeah. to be a recurring theme in your work, uh, but uh, with female subjects instead. Uh, can yeah. you describe the central motif running through your work? I think it mostly, like I mostly just kind of always keep coming back to nature. And um, I think I can only really uh, think that that's the case because, uh, you know, nature is, is very sacred and it's and it's very much a part of all of us and something we kind of forget how uh, attached and embedded we are to it and it just it keeps keeps popping up for me so I'm just going with it I'm to be honest I'm figuring out my own work as much as anyone else is and fun neuroscience fact uh, we're actually 95% uh, unconscious to any of the decisions and choices we make in life your paintings typically have some type of wild beast in them, some kind of a protector mm -hmm. or a companion. Uh, is there a deeper meaning in there? I've I've just always, um, you know, really loved animals uh, since I was very young, um, and so I'm kind of always exploring that that connection, that animal human bond that happens. Um, you know, animals have a, a purity to them and an honesty that uh, people don't always have. And they also have, uh, you know, very deep souls. And I just, I like trying to capture that and put it in my pieces. Sometimes better than people. Yeah, <laughs> most of the time. Uh, who are some of your major artistic influences? So, um, Louis Royo actually was the first uh, fantasy artist that I ever discovered uh, when I was a teenager. His book was on an end cap in Barnes and Noble. And I was just like completely mesmerized and blown away by it and didn't realize like someone could paint like that. Uh, and so he's kind of always been a nostalgic hero for me. But then later on, um, you know, when I was introduced to guys like Donato, someone had given me one of uh, Boris and Julie's calendars and, you know, of course them. Um, that's very much influenced uh, my work for sure. Yeah, so among the living artists uh, that you admire, um, besides Donato and Boris and Julie, are there others? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Vanessa Lemon, Dave Palumbo, Rob Ray. Like, I I especially um, love art the most that's different than what I do. Like, they have such thick uh, and beautiful, like, brush textures that I just, I don't paint like that. But, man, I love when other people do, like... And I, I wish I knew how to paint like that. So I just, I really enjoy 
seeing their work. And I think, you know, Vanessa's pulling stuff from like a completely different plane, you know, like she's really grabbing something in the ethos that I think is really powerful and magical in a lot of ways. Um, your work is so unlike other fantasy artists, uh, especially, you know, in the exhibition, it was such a challenge to categorize your work, um, you know, kind of to fit it in with the other artists. And so I was just wondering, what do you consider your the genre of your work within the fantasy genre? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I'd categorize <laughs> it. Because again, it's it's also um, like personal and, and self-serving for me. So how somebody else wants to categorize it, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, do you use photographs, live models, or props when you're creating your work? Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I tend to work with uh, my friends and we won't always have all the, the props or costuming, but I try to get it um, as close as possible because then I I feel like it, if I can get it as close as I can, um, I have an easier time making up the things that aren't there. So generally I'll do that. Um, but you know, there's, there's usually never that one perfect shot. It's kind of like a Frankenstein effect that tends to happen, which I know uh, Dan DeSantos has, has talked a lot about that with his reference photos where you might take, you know, oh, there's a really good hand there, but like, you know, her face looks good here. So let's, let's combine them and, and make something with this. It, it seems to, I, I know that you, you're into dance. Uh, so I was just wondering what your background is in dance and especially, uh, um, it seems like uh, uh, belly dancing is kind of influenced mm -hmm. in your work. Yeah. Um, so when I was little, I did um, some ballet. I did a little ballroom dancing. And then I kind of took a break from all that. And um, I got back into dance uh, in the form of belly dance my senior year of college. So it's been about uh, 10 years now. Um, and really, like the movements and the costuming. Um, heavily inspired me and definitely inspires my work a lot too yeah I think and also uh, how I uh how I will pose my models um I mostly uh work with other dancers and performers because they really know how to like capture um you know a movement or a feeling and what's your daily work schedule like hmm that is a const constant uh struggle balance but usually um you know, I'll kind of like get up in the morning, have my coffee, um, do some yoga, and then I'll kind of get settled in around 9 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I'll try to paint until about uh, like six. You know, if I have a deadline, maybe a little bit more. If I got a bunch of work done, I'll try to stop less. Um, but I'm really trying to figure out a balance where I'm working a little less and living a little more. And how long does it take you to typically complete a painting? Um, I think it, it depends on the piece. Um, you know, if it's something tiny, maybe like a couple days, um, an average piece takes maybe about six days. And then, uh, something that's kind of, uh, on a larger scale, that's more involved could take anywhere between two and a half weeks to, to maybe even a month to do. Do you prefer work for hire or personal projects? Because it seems like a lot of your work is done, uh, uh it's kind of a personal piece. But yeah, you just scored this great gig with Magic the Gathering, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it must pay more anyway, right? Um, <laughs> I I definitely prefer the personal stuff, uh, but with Magic, uh, that was kind of a special thing for me since I've been a big fan of the game since I was fifteen. Um, 
So that's that's probably my one exception where I actually kind of um, stopped trying to look for company work for several years and just kind of focused on my own thing because I found that that's where um, I was finding the most joy. And uh, it's kind of when I did that, that that magic kind of came came around with this opportunity. Um, so that's probably my one exception to uh, to painting things that I wouldn't normally paint just because of how much I love it. When I did my interview with uh, Donato, uh, we were talking about growing up and I, I grew up in Kansas. And uh, so it was in the eighties. So I wasn't allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons and things like that because you know oh. it, it was called the satanic panic. Right, yeah, you don't want to worship the devil with your D&D. &D. Yeah, um, so uh, did you ever encounter that with magic? Uh, no, because I, I grew up in uh, Connecticut, and by the time I even discovered magic, um, I was 15, and my, my boyfriend at the time played it, and I saw um, uh, a, the second variation of the Sarah Angel card and was just, like, completely blown away and, like, wow, like, people can paint this and there's like a job for it. Like this thing that I've been doing, like, you know, my whole very short life, like there's work out there. Um, so no, I didn't, uh, I didn't have that, that same issue as someone from the Midwest might have. What's the thing that makes your work uh, most worthwhile? Um, I mean, it's very uh, satisfying for me to do. <laughs> so I think uh, that's, that's the biggest thing is really uh, enjoying what you love to do. And how are you doing during the pandemic? Are you getting commissions or do you have uh, personal projects you've been working on? Uh, so ironically enough, I got hired for Magic on Valentine's Day of last year. So right by wow. before the, the pandemic started. Um, so throughout the pandemic, I've just been paying Magic cards. And then uh, in between that, my personal work. So really nothing changed for me, unfortunately. <laughs> And uh, what draws you to oil painting over other media? I don't know. To be honest, I, I'm surprised I like oil painting myself because, like I said, I absolutely hated it uh, when I took that one class in school. And, and now here we are, just all oil painting all the time. Um, but I like how um, quick it can be. I like how big or small I can work. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, and I do like how the finished piece looks with all the varnish and side, like the shininess. Um, I would say my first love is still uh, egg temper painting, but I haven't I haven't found time in the last few years to do one of those. But man, those are very satisfying to do, even though they take so long. Do you do any work digitally? And uh, I guess what role do you think digital art will play in the future of fantasy illustration? Uh. I do not do digital art and I'm uh, very bad at digital art. So uh, for me, it's it's not gonna play much of a role, but I think, um, I think hopefully there's still always going to be traditional painters out there. Um, I think for convenience, sometimes uh, digital art, you know, might become more popular, um, but I don't think either, either form will ever really go away. Where do you see yourself in, uh, say, 20 or 40 years? Hmm. Uh, honestly, I feel like in 20 years, I might want to be retired with, with painting. And um, I think my, my life plan, which it's silly to ever make plans for anything or anyone, but um, 
would be to just stack up a bunch of money, buy some land, like get, you know, a little kind of house set up on said land and just keep living costs low and just enjoy, enjoy life, you know, because at some point, you know, when we're all laying on our deathbeds, I don't think any, any artist you talk to is going to be like, man, I really wish I did that one more piece. Like that's not what any of us are going to say. So I hope in 20 years to be doing whatever I feel like doing at 20 years time. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe I'll still be painting a little bit on the side, but um, I guess we'll see. All right. We'll check back then. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what do you consider uh, to be the difference between illustration and fine art? Do you consider yourself a fine artist or an illustrator? There's, there's only one right answer here. Um, I mean, I think I'll, I'll always consider myself an illustrator, even mm -hmm. though technically how I do it is fine art. So both. Uh, so what projects are you working on now? Uh, magic cards. <laughs> I got two magic cards I'm doing right now. I just finished one uh, yesterday, so now I'm getting the other one done. And then also trying to figure out where I'm going to throw in some more personal pieces, uh, you know, after this card gets done. What is the thing that you're most proud of? Uh, I am proud of where I am today. I appreciate the uh, the evolution I've been on to get to this point. I appreciate the struggles I've had. Um, I appreciate the failures I've had because everything has led to the point now where it's like everything's kind of slowly coming together, falling into place. That's great. And uh, as a young artist who's achieved uh, so much success, um at an early age i guess what what insights can you provide to uh artists who are struggling take risks um you have to be very comfortable with making mediocre art for a long time because that's how you get good and uh there's no um there's no quick way to get here you got to put in your ten thousand hours with anything um but when you get there man it's it's incredibly rewarding so take those risks and uh, just keep keep going. Don't take the failures too personally. Uh, I mean, there's there's gifts to everything. You know, there's gifts to the darkest moments you'll have, and there's gifts to the lightest moments you'll have. So just keep going. And if you have a shitty childhood, that's only going to help you. Excellent. Um, <laughs> that's all the time we have for now. So uh, thank you so much, Alessandra, for agreeing to be in the exhibition and also for joining us today. Of course, it's a huge honor, thank you. For more information, check out Alessandra Pisano's website at A-L-E-S-S-P-I-S-A-N-O.com and our own websites, nrm.org, illustrationhistory.org, and visit the Rockwell Center for American Visual Studies at rockwell-center.org. As always, don't forget to subscribe to be notified for the latest content. This has been a production of the Norman Rockwell Museum. To watch the video of this podcast or to see the images referenced in this episode, please visit nrm.org podcast. New episodes from the Illustrator Studio are released every Monday. For questions or comments, please email us at podcast at nrm.org.